This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. How you doing? It's your boy, Jonathan Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast. Um, I am joining you. Uh, it's 9.15 on lottery night. Uh, not a great night. The Knicks fell to the eighth pick. We have a two-part episode for you in a little bit. I'm going to have uh, my buddies Yash and Oz on to talk about uh, the <laughs> Will Smith face bracket that I've been doing on Twitter over the last three weeks, uh, filled with all of the Knicks' worst moments from the last 30 years. Tonight does not rank up there with uh, some of those, uh, but it is nonetheless not a night to celebrate as they fell two spots. Um, but first, because, you know, the lottery takes precedent, um, I am joined by one of the main contributors to the new internet sensation, the Strickland um, he does all of their draft stuff. Uh, he is awesome. If you have not read his stuff, uh, hopefully after listening to him, uh, on this episode, you will, because he knows what he's talking about. And that's why I wanted to have him on. Um, you know him on Twitter as Prez. So Prez, how you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. I was just, just telling Mackie before we kicked off that I don't watch this live cause it's too stressful for me. So uh, this is all I, I'm still digesting who jumped and who didn't and, and all that fun stuff. Yeah, it was. So I was on Knicks fan TV doing this and I was given the job of of emceeing it um, because I think CP and a couple of other people didn't have like they weren't in front of a TV. But it turned out that Schwinn, who was also on it, um, had a feed, a TV feed that was about, I think, two or three seconds ahead <laughs> of mine. So I I knew when the Knicks fell before they did. And yeah, it was just, you know, I, I look, I said on, on this show, I guess we could start here. I said on the show on Sunday night or Sunday, I guess, whatever, that I didn't think it mattered where the Knicks wound up. And I thought that they would be able to trade up to get LaMelo Ball if they really wanted to. Um now that they're sitting here at eighth and I'm looking at the teams who are up top and it's Minnesota at number one, Warriors. Yeah, can we two. just go one through ten? Yeah, sure. Quick. Let's do I'm it. That's hundred percent sure what's what. Yeah, absolutely. So Minnesota moved up two spots. They're the first pick. Um I think they're a conceivable team for Lonzo or sorry, Lonzo. They're a conceivable team <laughs> for Lamelo. Uh, who knows? Maybe they want to trade for Alonzo too. They're a conceivable team for LaMelo. They're a conceivable team for um, Anthony Edwards. Um, obviously not Wiseman. And then you have the Warriors only fell one spot to two, which I'm sure they're happy with. I mean, everyone's going to mock Wiseman to them. Um, I'm sure that pick is going to be up for sale to anyone who actually wants to buy it. We'll see. Or not literally buy it, but like, you know, give up an asset for it. Third is the Charlotte Hornets, who you know, are in an interesting spot because they have needs everywhere, I guess. But the I, my favorite part of their team, other like the, the my two favorite parts of their team are PJ Washington and Devontae Graham. Um, and, you know, is, is Devontae Graham a point guard? I think he's a point guard. Um, do they want to invest in him long-term? We'll see. Fourth is the Bulls. Um, who knows what they're going to do? Fifth is Cleveland. I think the one... I don't know if I would say it's a safe sh- pick, but like I I personally would be surprised if they don't end up with Toppin because he's a local product. They, you know, I, I could see them going the safe route. Sixth is Atlanta. Seventh is Detroit. And then eighth is the Knicks. Um, 
So why don't we do That's this? That's a super interesting order. It is a really As much super, as this yeah. shit sucks for us, like as an NBA fan, like that's pretty unpredictable. It is unpredictable. And I was I did another podcast earlier today in which I mentioned Minnesota as one of the teams I thought would it would be most interesting if they got the number one overall pick. Um, because they're clearly, you know, they're making a push to win. They're for sale. How about that? Um, before we actually get into anything, do you do you have handy your own personal top eight, your 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 big board top eight, so to speak? Uh, I can grab it real quick. Yeah, wh- um, why don't you grab it? Because I'm curious who you have. Yeah, one to eight, irrespective of anything else. And you know, I'll I'll just say because um, I was going to make this point anyway. Boy, isn't it interesting that the one other team in the entire lottery who clearly. Clearly, clearly needs a point guard because uh, Derek Rose is old and he's on an expiring contract. Are the Detroit Pistons and the Detroit Pistons pick um, one spot ahead of the Knicks? Um, I, it would, it, boy, wouldn't wouldn't it be fascinating if we were in another scenario? And I'm not comparing this guy to Stephen Curry, but you know, a decade ago we saw Steph Curry slip to seven. The Knicks had the eighth pick. Um, and they couldn't get him. Uh, if Killian Hayes, like I could see Killian Hayes slipping to seven. I think a lot of people could see Killian Hayes slipping to seven. And then, um, you know, do the Pistons take him? Do they not take him? They have another French guy on their team. So could them Boya. Um, I don't know. That to me, like, I think there's a hundred different subplots, which I'm probably going to be spending way too much time writing about over the coming weeks in terms of whether they try to trade up, trade down, trade out, all of that stuff. I think it's all on the table. But I think the most immediate one is you know what is with Hayes because he's I I I know from reading your stuff that he's number he's number one on your board right he's number two behind Mello oh he's number two behind Lamelo okay so yeah, you have your board handy you want to go through it real quick I do I do and it's not I should say for folks it's actually not Nick specific it, it might change a teeny bit if it was Nick specific it's Lamelo Killian in tier one um. Uh, Ant, Okongu, Vassell, Riller. Hold on, wait. Let, let me. I'm actually. I want to write these down. Yeah, yeah. I, so, <laughs> I mean, I can send it to you. But. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, we're doing. Listen, this is live podcasting. This, so you got. Right, right. So you got Ball and Hayes in tier and, one, and then you have yeah, Ant. Okay. Ant Okongu, Riller. Hold on. Who who Oku. was after Okongu? Vassell, Devin Vassell, Vassal Vassell. Not sure how you say it. Okay. Then. Then Riller, which is like scorching hot take. That's about as that. I guarantee you, there are some people who are not familiar with Grant Riller. Okay. Next. There are zero people on Draft Twitter as high <laughs> as high as I am on him. Um, Poku after that, also a super hot take. Uh, then Okoro, and then that's it for tier two, and then in. Tier three. No. Or is this? I'm sorry. It looks like I might have screwed it up a little. Um, I, I, well, listen, you got through eight. That's all that matters. Um, so what's oh, that? So here you go. Here you go. So the only the other person in tier uh, in tier two is Kira, Kira Lewis Jr. And then after that, in tier three, I have Obi, Patrick Williams, Denny, and Maxi and Bane. Okay. So, um, uh, Cole Anthony, obviously, uh, not He's the next person out. He's like the next. Okay. Him and how him and Halliburton are, and Wiseman are like right on the bubble. So I think it, so it, see, this is what's interesting because <laughs> you, you have a guy it's, it's this this draft is so fascinating. You have a guy like Obi Toppin, and I don't know if you you probably didn't see it earlier today. Um, uh, Jeff Goodman had a poll amongst uh, he polled a bunch of like NBA personnel. I think actually GMs specifically, and they are uh, they were asked who they think the number one pick in the draft is going to be. Most people said Wiseman. A- Edwards got a bunch of votes or some votes. You said MB- NBA folks or college folks? NBA folks. NBA folks. Okay. Um, Edwards got votes. Ball got votes. And then the only other person to receive a vote for possible um, number one overall pick was Obi Toppin. And yet, 
if you told me that Obi Toppin was going to be there for the Knicks, like that wouldn't shock me. And if you told me a guy like Patrick Williams, who is a guy that's been on a lot of, I feel like he's the, he's the latest um, riser. Uh, among, yeah, you know, agreed. Yeah, he's, he's getting some buzz around Pat Williams there. <laughs> youngest, um, youngest, uh, uh, college player, I should say, because Poco was younger than him, but he's the youngest college player in the draft. Um, just turned 19 years old. Not a lot of stats, but like, you know, all the tools you want, 6A power forward, Florida State. Like the fact that they could be sitting there with a choice of a guy who, could maybe go number one overall and a guy who could maybe like some people might have 20th on their board. And yet it's a, and you have him back to back on your board too. I just think like we're, this is going to be just a fascinating draft. So let me ask you this. What let's, let's, if you had in your perfect world, um, so ball's gone. Edwards is yeah. gone, but Edwards is yeah. gone. Let's assume I know you don't have Wiseman anywhere here, but let's assume somebody takes Wiseman. Let's assume those three guys are off the board. Let's actually let's let's do it. Hey, it's never too early to do a mock draft. So those three guys go off the board in some order to Minnesota, Golden State and Charlotte, because those are the probably the top three players. If you're the Bulls, let's let's work our way down to the Knicks. If you're the Bulls. What do you think the Bulls are going to do? The Bulls are a tough one. That's that's I think like. Like, I think, I actually think it's exceedingly fair to assume those three guys, I know we just did a quick hypothetical, but like those three guys coming off the top, like, I think that's pretty probable. Um, Maybe not Wiseman, but I wouldn't be surprised him either. I wouldn't be surprised if LaMelo ends up in, in Minnesota with, I mean, they don't give a shit. They don't give a shit about defense and D'Angelo Russell is a combo guard and He's played with point guards and been fine, like completely fine. Like, I, I um, wouldn't be, teams. I wouldn't be surprised by that at all either. I think there's a definite possibility that he could end up. Yeah. Um, in yeah. Side. So I don't like. I already know some people are like, oh, like, can we trade up to no-? like? They're gonna take. I'm pretty confident they're gonna take Lamelo over Anthony Edwards. But I mean, anyway, Bulls, Bulls, like that's tough because, I mean. Who, who's at, after Lamelo Ant and Wiseman? Is there a clear cut guy? Like I don't think. I think what you're gonna get with the Bulls is you're gonna get an answer to the question of how do they value the guys they have, right? Because that's a great that's have, a great call. Because they have non, not like surefire blue chippers necessarily, but no, but they, they they've invested they have talented guys. They they have invested either recent lottery picks or in the case of Zach Levine, you know, the primary asset in the in the Butler trade at four positions. So with Kobe White, I, I would imagine they still project him to be a, a one, a lo- starting one long term alongside Levine at the two, and then Carter and and Laurie Markin in at the four and the five. Um that's uh, right, and those guys, those guys have shown enough enough either yeah, like stuff in college there. or in or right in the pros that you know they're working with something. They're not they're not uh they're not fighting against they're not trying to come back from their from their reputation or anything yeah. like that. Like, no, there's there's talent there, and then for for right. this year at least they have Otto Porter at the three, um, but he's on a massive expiring contract that I. I actually think it might be a player option, but obviously he's going to opt into that because it's for like $28 million or something. So I could see Denny. I mean, I know you have Denny down a little further. So let me real quick, like my big board is, is, it's literally a big board. It's not how I think things will go down. I have a, like, I could tell you how I think things are going to go down. I think you're right there onto it. Like I think guys like Denny, Obi, I think certainty matters a lot for dudes who have like millions of dollars and really good jobs on the line. And I think it's really easy for me on my fresh new out the oven website to just put Obi like 15th or whatever the hell I have him at. But if I was a GM and I enjoyed my job of like $800,000 salary and my job running a world-renowned basketball team i'd be pretty i put a lot of weight on like a guy like denny who 
I don't like personally because to me, I think he just lacks upside. But I think he's pretty safe. Obi, I think his defense is ass, but he's the safest bet to produce on offense in the whole draft. So, I, I'm so happy you, you said those two things about Obi Toppin. Yeah. So like like actually I was I was like a big time I still am an Obi hater, but I had to move him up a little bit because I was like at some point, like if I'm talking about well, is it going to be worth it to pay Obi Toppin $18 million? Like, what am I even fucking talking about in terms of where I put him on my mock draft, right? Like, but, even but, if but, he doesn't play defense. So, hold on, because that's what, that's why this is going to be, I mean, you want to talk about a pick that has just so much uncertainty tied to it. Like, I am personally of the belief that Leon Rose and and Co. because it's not all Rose, but he is going into this being like, we need to build our asset base. I'm not so I'm speaking as Leon Rose. I'm not gonna worry about what I have to pay Obi Toppin four years from right. now. I'm gonna worry about how good can I make and I'm not saying they're gonna take Obi Toppin, but like in this example, sure. how good can I make Obi Toppin look next year such that 50 games into next season, if uh, again, throwing a team out there. Phoenix is ass unexpectedly. I don't think they're going to be ass. I think they're going to be good. But like, and I can I is he good enough to be the centerpiece of the Godfather package or, you know, right. whatever. Throw right. Utah it's in a, there. It's a factor. It's a factor. Right. Just like just like for guys like, you know, Patrick Williams, you might have to consider the slightly longer timetable for development. Um, There's a positive value on guys who have value sooner older players like obi is the prime example but riller is another example because you you're already closer to these guys primes and you already know they'll produce at some like passable nba level and likely above that in the case of guys like obi and if you ask me riller but well what can we talk about riller for a sec because he's the one guy that i have had i've had spencer on here i think three or four times um i've Talk to, I'm sure I've talked draft with other people on there. I do not think um, Riller's name has come up once. For those who, nor should it, nor well, should it in the top ten. Well, listen, I, I mean, first of all, he's old. He's one of the oldest players in the draft. He's going to be 24. I mean, God knows, given the uncertainties about the NBA season, he might be 24 by the time they play games. Um, he's a he's a six three guard. Uh, went to Charleston. Would you define Grant Riller as a combo guard? Yeah, absolutely. Um, his number, I mean, he averaged, you know, 23 and a half points a game, five and a half rebounds, uh, four assists. Um, he was up there in steals too. Why are you so much more in love with Grant Riller than everybody else? So I'll give you the way my brain works, how I kind of picture this. To me, players, the downside for older play, picking older players is you think they have quote-unquote less upside that's what everybody will tell you oh like they're closer to being who they are that's what people uh, older players but the thing is if you pick somebody who's 17 or 18 or 19 you're banking on them using their age 17 18 19 20 21 22 years to become really good at stuff and that's you know there's ways you can try to predict who will become very good at stuff and who might not, and that dictates who you draft. But if you have a player who, for any number of reasons, some may be related to basketball, some may be related to their personal life, some may be related to their family, that they stayed in college and did that. They developed their elite skills, uh, their elite NBA skills in different things. Then what is there to penalize them for, right? Like you're you're going you're gonna to get them to produce more as soon as you get them. You're going to have a better chance of controlling them in their prime. And the risk of will they develop elite skills or not is lessened. So that was my whole big thing. The big example, obviously, is McCall Bridges versus Kevin Knox and Miles Bridges. I thought you were going to go with Malcolm Brogdon as an example of someone who was a point guard in college and, you know, uh, you know was slept on for some of the same reasons. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's several players. I mean, honestly, the biggest example is Damian Lillard, right? Like I I have one of my boys, he told me like, 
Like, we, you knew he was a shooter. You knew he was an insane work ethic crazy person. You knew he was a scorer. You knew he had great handles. So, like, that's my thing is, like, you're waiting for these teenagers to become extremely good at things. Mikhail Bridges, even though he's not the kind of guy who's going to – nobody projected him to score 20 points a game. He's probably never going to come close to that. But at Villanova, he shot incredible from three. He finished – by his senior year, he was putting up like seven, over 70% at the rim, which is elite, and finishing usually translates pretty smoothly uh, from the NBA, um, from NCAA to college. And you knew he was a tremendous defender with great measurables. So, like, what the fuck are we talking about here? Like, you know he's going to come into the NBA with elite skills. So, yeah, I mean, there's there's arguments for guys like, you know, Macau, I mean, not Macau or miles or Michael Porter jr. Or whatever, but like, there's a, there's, there's a value to that certainty when that certainty contains a fully formed NBA player with some upside. And to me, Riller is like, so for folks who are listening, who aren't super familiar with him because he played at college of Charleston, like the guy has a 60 uh, over 60 TS, true shooting percentage in college he's a shot maker more than a shooter but because he was the entire offense he didn't really get to shoot that many catch and shoot three-pointers for example but guess what his catch and shoot three-point numbers are elite in the small sample that he got he just didn't get to do that his pick and roll production numbers by synergy elite 97th percentile his finishing at the rim he was finished 70% of his shots at the rim. That's elite. For a go- That's elite for anybody. The only players in the draft who are better than that are like Okoro and Obi Toppin, big men. So, yeah, no, like, that's, that's, that's pretty insane. Um, you know, right. so, but you said it. It's just the, it's the age. He improved, he improved his, his rebounding, his steal percentage, his block percentage, most importantly, his assist percentage every year. And again, like, is he a point guard? Like, there are still risks, right? Like, is he a point guard or is he a combo guard who passes from the attention he draws? Because those two are not the same. Like, uh, I don't know. I don't know. That's a great question. But, like, the point is, like, he's already an NBA-level finisher. He's a great shooter. He can shoot pull-up threes. He can shoot spot-up threes. He gets to the paint better than everybody in the draft. He finishes better than everybody in the draft. He draws more free throws than everybody in the draft. He makes the free throws he draws. So, like, to me, it's like, what the fuck are we talking about here? He's older, but, like, you hope Cole Anthony becomes Grant Riller. There's <laughs> no two ways about it. That's a fantastic. I love that that way you put it. Um, okay. So, you've sold me on Grant Riller if he's there at, for one of the later picks. Um, I think we could agree that the Knicks are not going to take Grant Riller uh, eighth He's overall. an asset defense. Let me, <laughs> full disclosure. Okay. Like, not, that's, okay. He, so he, he shows flashes, but he's, like, but then again, that's like all the guards in here who are not like Tyrese Halliburton and Tyrese Maxey, right? So anyway, anyway. Yeah, no, I, I agree that there's not many defensively gifted uh, guards here. So, all right. So we have, what do we put? We put Denny to the Bulls at four. Um, let's, well, I don't know who they're going to take. I, that's what I'm saying. I, I me, Look, I, he's a small I, forward. He's the true, it's, I mean, there's a Coro too, do you, obviously. Do you draft for fit if you're the Bulls? That's my question. I mean, it's uh, gosh, with with the, with the ta- I mean, unless they really think somebody. <laughs> Here's the thing, I'm gonna I'm comfortable pegging either Denny or Okoro to the Bulls at four because yeah. small forward is their most obvious position of need, and I think there's arguments for both yeah. of those guys talent wise to be there, and you know they're not gonna draft another big. I mean, okay, yeah. I, I shouldn't I, say you I know. What? I think that's a good bet. I yeah, think that's a good it's a safe bet. Um, <laughs> I, I'm I'm gonna go ahead and predict Obi to the Cavs at five. I just I just think, look, it's some. So I, I think they're not gonna overthink it for a lot of reasons. Um, it's a good fit. Yeah, no, it's an, it's certainly an interesting fit. Um, it'll help them win some more games probably next year. I would think. Um, I mean, just look at who they picked, right? Like. They're not exactly drafting like all NBA defensive talents out there. No, not not so much. So no, no it's a good, <laughs> it's a good understated way of putting it. So all right, so on our imaginary board, we have uh, in some order: Ball, uh, Ball, Edwards, Wiseman, um, Denny, and Toppin off our board, which brings us to 
The Hawks at six. That's oh man. W- would the Hawks make some kind of a Godfather offer to move up for Anthony Edwards? That could be interesting. Um, because obviously he's from there, and I think he if he had his drugs. I don't know. I I mean, look, who knows what the hell they're gonna do? Yeah. Um, right. <laughs> but um, yeah. In any case, so they are sixth. They talk about a team that doesn't really have any obvious needs. Um, I don't know. I mean, they could go Okongwu. Um, you know, I, I what uh, Capella's under contract there for another several years. Uh, Okongwu's a center, obviously, long term in the pros. So I, I don't know. Maybe they think he's a four to replace if Collins, something happens with Collins. The Hawks are an interesting wild card. They like me. Collins, don't they? Well, the, yeah, but he's he's extension eligible this year, this summer. Uh, um, and he apparently fancies himself a max player. Um you know whatever um so i think the hawks i would i would not be surprised if we're coming up to draft day and there's like consensus is like all right here's this is what the first five are going to look look like the hawks are where the draft pivots and we start hearing reports about how the hawks are open for business and they're waiting to see the one thing i don't think the hawks are going to do i don't think the hawks are going to take killian hates um no i don't yeah, that, Five. Would, that doesn't make sense for them at all. No, and it, I love killing things. Like it just I, I, I like him a lot. I don't know that I could use the word love, but I do like him a lot. <laughs> and I, listen, I'm a married man, first of all. Um, <laughs> I, you know, they, they are one team that you would think can afford to take a non-shooter who can defend the hell out of things. So, to me, Okoro would. Would seem to make some sense there. You'd be a great fit. I think so. Um, yeah, man. Yeah, I don't think that that's crazy. So let's, for the sake of, you know, moving it along, let's peg Okoro to the Hawks at six. Um, and that gets us to seven and the Pistons. And man, this I mean, is the most fun part. <laughs> I mean, how do they not take Hayes? He has the upside. So, he, like, they're. So I don't, I don't he, know if it's guaranteed because to me, like, they need a lot of stuff, right? They're like the Knicks. Oh, they, they need they everything. Have, they need everything. They need everything. The only position they're settled that if you assume they're going to sign him back is the four, is Wood, because he was tremendous for them, right? And young. So. I, think, I think they want him back, but yeah. I, I, yeah, no, I, I would assume. I would. So you're, yeah, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking that this is a possible Okongwu destination? It, it, I think it's. I think I would not be surprised if they took Hayes, but I also would not be surprised if they took Okongwu because, I I mean, this is one of those, like, both both guys grayed out really well by certain evaluation lenses. Um, Killian Hayes is a questionable shooter, sort of, but at the same time, there's a lot of indicators that are in his favor, even if he's not that athletic or whatever. The question it with, with Hayes is like, like, do you have enough shooting to offset that? And you, the only two pieces they have are Kennard and Wood who are decent shooters. So like they very well could just be like, yeah, we'll work it out. And and there was some even, even talk this year that they might be open to moving Kennard. Um, I God, I like Kennard a lot. Um, you know, I, okay. I'm going to, but they need a five too. And that's the other thing I was going to mention is like, by a lot of by a lot of advanced metrics, he grades out as the best player in the draft and is not particularly close. Like you keep you keep fucking. I, I think he's the safest different. player in the draft. He's definitely the safest player in the draft, but you just you know, you just look at where the NBA's going, like like he's an undersized five and yes, like giant behemoths like Joel Embiid and Jokic. Like he had trouble with some big centers in college, but who the hell does is not gonna I, have trouble with you Joel know what? Embiid? Um like, I, I just <laughs> I've been watching now the last I've watched most of the heat games and I, I look, I'm not, I'm not comparing, I'm not comparing his passing or his ball, like fucking Bam Adebayo's bringing the damn ball up the court. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not making that comparison, but like you, you want to talk to me about, okay, well Bam fell to th- what was 12th or 13th. And he's other than Jokic. I don't know. Is he the, is he the, first center you would take in an NBA, like, you know, grab anyone you can draft. Like he's he's, up there. He's up there. Yeah. So number one. Yeah. So if you could get 
Okongwu and and he's like he he seems to check a lot of boxes. I uh, you know what? Just for so let's agree with let's let's say this. If the Pistons took Okongwu, that would be wonderful because then the Knicks would be in a position to take Hayes and I think they would take Hayes. Um you know, I've heard that they like him. Um, I whether that's a smokescreen or not, I have no idea because everybody's saying shit right now. No, I didn't. I didn't hear that tonight. I heard that. I've heard that just over the last like several sure, months. Sure. Um. So then, at that point, I think. So let's assume they took Hayes. So that would mean arguably the best player in the draft. Arguably the best player in the fucking draft would be on the board for the Knicks at eight. Along with, along with Devin Vassell, who arguably more than Ball, more than Edwards, more than any of these fucking guys we just talked about, would help the Knicks more next year than anybody. Um, he would be on the board still. Um, Halliburton would be on the board. Who, you know, opinions are. I think not that opinions are all over the board about Halliburton because we, to quite the contrary, we know what Halliburton is, right? Like he's of all the guys in this draft, we kind of know what he is more than most. But in terms of like his fit and like what type of playmaker he needs to play alongside to be a point guard long term in the NBA, I like those are interesting questions to me. I don't know if they're interesting questions to you as well. Um, uh, yeah, I I don't know. Um, and then you obviously got the obvious ones. You have Cole Anthony. You have Kyra Lewis. You have. Uh, you have Tyrese Maxey. Um, you have, uh, yeah, you you have these other guys, and you would you would have Okongwu. I he, so I'm happy we did this because this this makes me feel like Okongwu <laughs> slipping to eight is a real possibility, and that is like in a lot of ways the the thing I didn't want to happen, and it might happen. Um, mm-hmm. What would you do if you're the Knicks? Let's 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 close out with this. What would you do if they if Okongwu slipped to you at eight? Well, the first thing I'm doing is I'm calling up Detroit, right? And I'm saying, hey, like one spot. This is me. If I'm like emperor of the Knicks, I'm calling them up and I'm saying, hey, one spot. I know these guys aren't far apart on your board. So what do you need? And then I'm having that discussion. I don't know where my line is, but I'm having that talk. Yeah, I um, man. This it is sucks a- to give up something for one spot, but like personally, me, like I think I I'm personally high on Mitchell Robinson. I'm well, and and can we also just throw in there? I think the Mitchell Robinson sh- should the Knicks invest in him long term or not? Conversation like is is he a part of the core long term or not? Conversation. Um, I think. When we're talking about Mitch, we have to now factor, put in the Tibbs factor. And like uh-huh. Tibbs has never had a shot blocker. Of, I mean, you could argue that there's never been anybody like Mitchell Robinson in terms of like his unique physical skill set or very rarely has been there been someone like that in the league. Um, but I, I, man, I would, I'd be really, really surprised if they like, did, did some kind of a trade involving Mitchell, but 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 that's the yeah. interesting thing about Okongwu, right? Because if you draft Okongwu, you're not. That's not necessarily a signal that you're out on Mitch, or that you feel like you need to trade Mitch, or that you need to trade Okongwu, right? And it's not even necessarily a signal that you're like not trying to get some wins next year. Like that's my. We just saw a Brooklyn team overachieve because Kenny Atkinson's defense relied on dropping two capable rim protectors for 48 minutes out of 48 minutes with Okongu or Mitch, he'd be able to do that. He'd be, you don't think Tibbs wouldn't play the two of them together, given their switchability. Um, just say, I, like who gives a shit about the, excuse me, sir. Can I read you um, <laughs> from a few newsletters ago where I went back to the 2017, 18 season and there, the, if you look at the traditional big, big, and I, I feel very comfortable saying that Taj and Cat were traditional big, big combo <laughs> um, combinations in terms of minutes. There was the two of them at like 2,200 minutes. They beat everyone. And no, but like. I don't think he would do it a lot, but the I next, think he would do it. The next highest remotely traditional combination was like 
I don't know. It was like 70% or 60% of the minutes that they played it. Like he, I, it, it, here's the thing we've seen Mitch switch out. Right. And I don't think anybody has any question in their mind that Okongo is going to be able to switch out. I think actually, interestingly enough, the bigger question is on offense because Okongo, I'm going to pull up his, his three point shooting um, numbers right now. Um, it's not really worth. It's not really. I mean, he, he had didn't like really low take volume. them. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't yeah. take them. He, he his three point attempt rate was point zero one four. Not not point one four. Not fourteen percent. Point zero one four. Um, which is basically like one every five games. Um, but I think. But do well. Let's 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 end. Do you, do you buy Okongwu shot in theory? No, not right now. Not right like, now, but like eventually. Do you not any more than I buy? Mitch's three point shot. That's like okay. Mitch shot over thirty six percent from three in in high school. What do you fucking do? Like his shot still looks ugly, and it's the same with Okongu. So That's what true. if he shoots seventy percent? I'm a big mechanics guy, personally. Like I still take into account touch and free throw percentage and types of shots and all that good stuff. But I don't buy either of them from three right now. Maybe down the line. Well, it's gonna be interesting. Um, and. <laughs> They've invested all this money in in um, development coaches of late. Um, <laughs> just talk about talk about fortuitous. They just brought in um, Kenny Payne, who is the big man, you know, whisperer here from Kentucky. And got, again, wouldn't it be interesting if the best big man um, and potentially best player in the draft? Uh, slips to them at eight. So this is, you know, it's, this is, I, I, I needed this. I, I thank you for, for, for going through this journey with me, Prez, because now I feel like the worst outcome on draft night is going to be that Okongu falls to us, in which case it's like, Hey, you know what? Worst shit could happen. Um, it's a super anticlimactic outcome and, because it doesn't quote unquote fill a need, even though we fucking have a bazillion needs. It's, and it's, listen, there there is no such I, thing as need with this team. It's it, it exactly. Yeah, I think what people need to remember. This is the last thing I'll say real quick. I think what people need to remember is like exactly what you said at the top of the pod is we're still we're not only looking at these guys as players for the Knicks, but as assets to trade. Right. So if you believe in Kenny Payne, big man whisperer, then. Why not double down on that and have two high value young stud blue chipper bigs, one of whom you could trade without compromising your future defense? Why not? Right. There's yeah. the case. Yeah. No, I, it, it, it puts them in an interesting spot. Um, and again, we're talking about blocking Mitch, who's a guy who has yet to show that he could play half a game um, in the NBA in terms of <laughs> minutes per, per night. So, yeah, there, there's that. Um, man, ooh, God, ooh, there's going to be a lot of speculation about this for the next two months. Um, okay, uh, Prez, you have been awesome. I know we talked about it at the top of the pod, but can you just one more time uh, tell folks where they could find you? Yeah, you can find me on the Strickland and on Twitter. Um, the Strickland is the strick.land.com. Um, we got great draft coverage coming for Knicks fans pretty much from now until the draft profiles and funny things and serious things and deep dives and all types of good stuff on Twitter. I'm at underscore P R E Z I D E N T E. And, um, if you are lazy and you didn't write that down and you want to follow Prez because you're not following him yet for some reason, I don't know why you wouldn't be following him yet. And you want to follow him, which you should, uh, just go ahead and look on my Twitter page because, uh, I'll have his, um, Twitter handle in the uh, link to this podcast, which will also be in the newsletter. It's like, look, go, go find Prez. Prez is a good follow. He's really smart. He puts in the work. Um, and I'm not say, just saying that because he's he's on the pod right now. Um, Prez, thank you so much. This was awesome. And uh, let's now get to our my conversation, which I'm about to have with uh, Oz and Yash. Okay, joining me on the line now. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> you know what time it is, folks. It's time for the return of 
my law school buddies who may or may not know things about basketball or life in general, uh, Bernard and, oh, excuse me, uh, uh, you know what? The jig is up. Bernard yes. and Yash. <laughs> the jig has been up since the first fucking episode. This is true. This is true. It just occurred to me that I probably, I just did a, a whole thing on the, on the lottery and it, it just occurred to me that I probably sounded like such a miserable fuck for the last 45 minutes because you know what it was? It was, it's not that we, we dropped down or that we got the eighth pick or we didn't get like a top four pick. It's that we were the first team to, to drop. That's the part that kind of, I didn't think, I didn't care for that much. It was its own additional Will Smith face moment. No, was it really? I know it's not. Stop it. We have a new face. Did you see the Leon Rose face? Because that was fucking beautiful. I did see it. Oh, the, dis- the just the dismissive disgust on his face was perfect. Yeah, but he kind of has that look. That's true. He does look that way all the time. It, it's the male equivalent of resting bitch face. <laughs> yes. We're, yes, off to a, we're off to a running start. Um, Bernard, you asked me before we, we started recording, um, to ch- what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to talk you into, what, the talk, eighth pick? Talk, talk me into somebody that's not going to depress me at the at the eighth pick. I, I, I feel like I want Killian, but that might be crazy. No, it's... What, what, what do I want here? No, it's not. It's not crazy at all. I actually. So this is this is the conclusion that I came to with uh, Prez from uh, the Strickland, who is really good on draft stuff. That we 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 think that there is a better than not chance that either um, Killian Hayes, who you should want, Hayes is really good. He's a good player. Uh, will be there for the Knicks or um, Onyeku Ukangu, who I'm not sure if you're familiar with, but he's a he's a Four slash five. He's really a five, but he's a, you could say he's a four slash five from UFC, U, USC, excuse me, um, who might be the best player in the draft. And I think he has the highest, he has the highest floor in the draft. He might have the highest ceiling in the draft, um, you know, but he's a big. So I think either one, one of those guys is probably going to be there. Does that, does that do anything for you? Yeah, it makes, it makes me feel okay. I mean, K- Killian's a guy I've had my eye on at seven for a while. And if, it feels like he's going to be there. Uh, the USC kid sounds lovely. Um, yeah, fine. So here's what's going to happen. Killian is going to go seven and go on to have a Hall of Fame career. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's a good transition. Um, so I, I think I I think I think pitched this to you guys first when I thought of the idea of the Will Smith face uh, Knicks bracket and you were both on board. So obviously given that you are both just wise uh, sages, um, I I went with it and uh, have done it over the last three weeks and we crowned a champion today. Um, This is not tonight is not a Will Smith face moment, which speaks to just how shitty the last 30 years have been. Um, so before we get to the the actual bracket and the stuff that's in it, I, I'm curious to hear from each of you. Um, yeah, I should go first. When when it comes to sports, like what what is the meaning of a Will Smith face moment to you? I would say a moment that reminds you um, why you're wasting your time investing emotionally in something like professional sports instead of improving your own life because all following a professional sports team like the Knicks has brought you over the years is additional pain and misery on top of whatever other pain or misery might be going on in your own life. That's, I think that's good. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's well phrased. I, I largely agree. The one, the one thing I'd add to it, especially having looked at some of the results here is it's not just, it's not just the low points. It's not just here's a shitty thing that happened or here's a big loss. There needs to be an additional element of shame and embarrassment, like your wife talking about fucking other people in front of a national audience. <laughs> and look, the Knicks are the Knicks are masterful at that sense of shame and embarrassment. And I just I think that that need not be lost as we think about the various tra- tragedies and travesties in Knicks history. I, I'd like to pick up on that. Um... I felt like I got roped into a lot of Twitter conversations in which people were like, how can you have X over Y or X below Y? Like this was so much worse for us. But Bernard, as you deeply point out, it re- that's not really what it's about. It's about like it, something that gives you that feeling of like, 
You gotta be fucking kidding me. Really? It's, like it's exactly it. Yeah. Um, so I mean, well, which is a good transition. So my, my own personal first one of these, um, and I remember the Charles Smith game. I, I, re- I, I remember crying myself to sleep tonight of two for 18, but, um, for me, the eight points in 8.9 seconds was, uh, cause that, that was, it occurred, um, on the day that I was celebrating my 12th birthday and <laughs> <laughs> happy birthday. <laughs> and like my whole family was over and like, I was, I was like really into the Knicks by that book cause I've been watching it for a few years and just like, I was having such a, I remember I was having such a good day. I got like some, some presents and shit. Like, um, I feel like twelve is the age too when you're most into professional sports. I think, yeah, I think for I mean, it's I don't know if it's a coincidence or not, but like the ones from this from the bracket that resonated most with me were from the ages of like eleven to thirteen. Um, Yash, uh, I'll go to you. What's the of of all of the things that made it into the bracket? What's the first thing that uh, you remember really resonating with you? Well, you know, I'm significantly younger than the two of you. Nobody likes so you. For <laughs> you know, for me, it was the suspensions against the Heat because it was like the Knicks were dominating that series, and it was really one of the like, are you kidding me right now? Um, and then they go on to lose, and the way it was done, where it was alphabetical, so you know, Ewing missing. Uh, they could have won the. They could have just won the series in Game Six had he played. I yeah yeah no I, I God that that really did have the feel like the league was out to get us and and on top of like I I don't know if this if this actually was real or I just like made this up in my head over the years but I've always felt like the refs fucked us in the '94 Finals. Um like really significantly and and hard and repeatedly. So it was like, man, they're doing this to us again. Um, Bernard, you're, what are you, you're like a, within a year or two of me. So we are comparable in age. What was your first one? Yeah. So I, I gotta, I gotta set the scene a little bit here. Um, please, please do. I, I was, I was 10 years old. And at that point, my, my father was not yet a grifter, con man, felon criminal. So with the, uh, Jesus fucking Christ. May he rest in peace. So with the uh, with the proceeds of his then legitimately gotten gains, we were Nick's season ticket holders. So I went to a great many of these uh, incredible Nick's moments and not so incredible Nick's moments of the 90s. And uh, I was there for the Reggie Miller game. I can remember the day well. I was 10 years old. I can actually distinctly remember the kid who was roughly my age who was sitting two rows in front of us uh, for really every playoff game that season. And the, the takeaway of that night for me was the two of us sitting in our seats weeping, both of us inconsolable and unable to leave the arena. Now, my sister was there and she was at the time one year old. We had three season tickets. Wow. One year old. Great mood just kind of awake looking around me 10 years old weeping like a baby so that that for me is is the clear number one i hate to pick the same thing as you john but that is it's it's far and away uh the roughest personal experience of one of these moments for me um i just want to note for the record that your your sister is smoking hot um she's great i don't know why why i said that um anyway uh, okay. So we're in agreement on that one. Um, so let's look at, I don't know if you guys have the, the bracket in front of you. Um, I wanted to just kind of quickly to see if there's any of the results that were particularly surprising to you. And the only, the reason I want to ask this question is I want an excuse to talk about one thing that peeved me. And it was, and I, I was made to feel, I was made to feel like a lesser person by my interactions on Twitter. Um, when, uh, let me hold on. I want to, I want to find it. Yes. So Hibbert, when, when, when Roy Hibbert blocked Carmelo Anthony to end the, uh, 2013, uh, playoffs effectively, um, that was our, our nine overall seed. And I put it as, um, one slot below the eighth seed, which was when Jeremy Lin went to Houston. And 
there were some beatdowns over the course of this poll, but few were as big as Hibbert blocks Mello over Lynn to Houston. It was 81% of the people voted for Hibbert blocks Mello. And I, to me, like Jeremy Lynn to Houston, I thought that had a real case to win the whole thing because I listen 20 years now. It's been 20 fucking years. How many things can you say were pure, unadulterated joy as a Nick fan? It's just Jeremy Lin. Like, am I wrong about that? Mm, yes. Why? Here's why. What? You're, because, you're an idiot. So, say what you're going to say. <laughs> and, and I was one of those people who was in the 81% on Hibbert blocking Mellow. Congra- congratulations. You're in the, what is it, the silent majority? I don't even know. I don't think they were silent on Twitter, but uh, you should have been silent. No, my reason for why Hibbert blocking Mello was so much worse is that Knicks team won 54 games. And it was this mirage in the desert. This it, we could have really been a one season wonder that I mean, who knows what that team. It felt like that team actually could have done something. And, you know, losing the way and, and having to watch Roy Hibbert become a fucking cadaver for the rest of his career after that. <laughs> like he sold his soul just to be able to fuck the Knicks that one season. We actually were good. Where we actually won a playoff series over the course of how many years it's been. So yeah, I look at, I look very fondly on that team and I had so many great memories of how good that team was and the run that the Knicks were on to finish that season and to see it end the way that it did with Roy fucking Hibbert, who has been a garbage basketball player the rest of his career, was just, it's still heartbreaking. And I thought that one should have been seated higher than it was. Whereas Lynn, Lynn has been a mediocre basketball player. But that's, that you're, oh, Bernard, no, please. That's not the, that's not the standard. And, no, the but standard also, like. Not, what did Jeremy Lynn become after the signing? The standard okay. is what happened during the fucking signing. Right. What well, the Knicks, the, the, already, the Knicks had already. Lynn gave us. Lynn gave us moments of joy. The fucking Time Warner was feuding with MSG. Cable wasn't even carrying the games in half the city, and the bars were packed. Everybody was out watching every fucking game. It was an event. It's the most basketball has mattered in this city since since the the Spreewell run uh, that the Spurs derailed. I would it actually hold on. I would argue it was it was more. I I, I think. There were a lot of people in the city in 99 that didn't even give a fuck about the team because like they were coming off the lockout. It wasn't a team that was endearing to anybody except actual real Knicks fans like people who didn't give a shit about the Knicks were all in on Jeremy Lin when that was happening. And me, you know what? Maybe that cheapens okay. it. But yeah, I, I don't care about those people. And uh, you don't care about anybody. Right. Well, here's uh, here's the other reason why the Lin thing didn't hit me nearly as hard was because they'd already traded for Raymond Felton at that point, who I was actually upset when they traded him in, in the first place. So when they got him back, I'm like, I, I think he's better than Lynn anyway. Well, that's because you're an idiot. Um, listen, Dolan's petulance, and nothing more than Dolan's petulance, is the reason that Jeremy Lynn got away. And I don't even, look, whatever, his career became what it became. Um, speaking of games on and bars, do you guys know who I was with? The Valentine's Day that he hit the uh, the shot against Toronto with uh, on. Oh man, would that would that have been the very dumb hot one? What the hell was her name? No, not that one. Was it? Was it somebody from Trilad? Well, yes. Rolo. Yeah. <laughs> Some dumpy bar. It, it was a. It was a. Oh my I god! Do, I was about to I say do three. That. Yeah, I went. It was me and Aaron were going to get sushi, and then I. Somehow she came along. Uh, That's when she was our student. We didn't have to. Can, I'll have to text Andrew to edit that part out. Um, <laughs> anyway, no, law school, law school student. Yeah. We're not talking. School, I was not. Let me yeah. make clear for the listeners. I was not yeah. a middle school teacher during this time. Wait, Jesus wait Christ! Way to meet to yourself already. <laughs> she was at least twenty-two. She was like twenty-four. Yeah. Hey, listen. I'm a good, I'm a good guy. Um, okay. So the winner, um, let's talk about the winner. Um, John Starks in the 1994 finals, 
in the in the ultimate, not penultimate, the, the ultimate game of the 1994 finals, which the championship was on the line, was permitted by his coach to continue shooting to the point that he took 18 field goal attempts and he made two. Um, he, 11 of those, uh, 18 field goal attempts were three of the three point variety and he made zero. Um, that is our champion Do either of you, Bernard, let's go to you first. What, what are your thoughts on this? I am bummed for Starks that he's the champion and he's the champion of this for far too many fans who I think never actually watched him play and have no, have no appreciation or love for for what he meant to that team for so many years. For him to sort of be the the whipping boy outcome of this is really it. It really makes me feel sad. That's that's fair. It's noble of you, Yash. So I agree almost completely with Bernard, and um, and it's why the moment that I felt that was left out would actually maybe even um, be worse than the two for eighteen was the Olajuwon block. In game six. Okay, we could skip to this. Okay. and But they're connected. They really are because it goes back to what Starks meant to that team. And, you know, you watched that fourth quarter in game six and he was just magic. I mean, they, they sh- shouldn't have been in that game. And he just brought them all the way back. 26 and, points, uh, which back then was like 50 today. Yeah. I mean, it, with the defense that both those teams were playing, yeah, it was. And, I mean... There is no doubt in my mind that if Olajuwon doesn't get his fingertip on that ball, it's going down, and the Knicks win that series in six games. And uh, it took a hall, not only a Hall of Fame center, but a man in the midst of maybe the greatest season a center has ever had. That's not. Let's let's, listen. (laughs) It was a good center. It was good. It was a good season for good center. He won just about every award: MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, All NBA. Finals MVP, and he barely got his fingertip on that ball, and that was the only thing stopping John Starks that night. So the two for eighteen the following night was that much more heartbreaking, and the clear winner. But uh, yeah, I also think the Elijahwan block should have been on there. Um, Bernard, we'll we'll skip to this. So you you've been you've been um, teasing us here. Is the ultimate. I can't even find the clip on YouTube, which bums me out. But so you're going to have to go down the memory hole with me here. I'll go to the 2006 NBA draft. Hold on, the 2006 NBA draft. 2006. Hold on, I'm going to go ahead and pull this up on my old uh, computer here. Keep going. This is this is not uh, this is not a classic Knicks draft. But a moment that occurred during this draft was classic. So as is usually the course, the, the draft was in New York. Spike Lee was there. And when the Knicks made their pick in the 2006 draft, they had their camera on Spike Lee and a microphone in front of him. And this clip has, has stuck with me forever. Someone needs to find it and put it on fucking YouTube or make a GIF of it or whatever else. And as soon as the announcement was made that with the 20th selection in the, in the NBA draft – the New York Knicks select Ronaldo Balkman. <laughs> Spike Lee's face dropped in a way that's almost indescribable. I think it would be a little bit like if they announced that he won an Oscar for Best Director and then 30 seconds later said, oops, I misread it. It actually goes to Clint Eastwood. <laughs> and he, he I like how you gave it to Clint of all people. <laughs> they, they, they put the microphone in his face to get a reaction. And you could see he was trying to drum some emotion up to express. And all he could muster was, he's a sleeper, he's a sleeper. And then, and then they cut away. That's all That's all that they could get. That reaction from Spike Lee was the perfect encapsulation of what the Will Smith face is for me. In, in fairness, in fairness, Balkman over Rondo was the 24th seed of the, of the poll, even though I didn't specify the... The Spike Lee uh, reaction. He got defeated by Hibbert Bloxmello, uh, 81, <laughs> 81, Hibbert Bloxmello strikes again, 81% to 19%. Man, how did Hibbert, Hibbert Bloxmello won both of its opening round games, 81% to 19%. And then maybe I did it dirty by putting it in the same, uh, bracket as the Charles Smith game. I guess that was my bad. Um, oh, well. Um, all right. We've we've reached the point where I'm going to allow each of you to talk about um, we, we talked about you talked about your first, you know, ones of these. But what do you think personally 
uh, is the winner for the like which which should have won? What what moment should have won? Yash, you want to go with you first? Yeah, I mean it's it's two for great team. Oh, okay, two for great team all the way. Um, just more because of the connection to Starks, liking Starks, and having to watch just the magic of Game Six evaporate and the smoke the way that it did in Game Seven. It was heartbreaking. Bernard. The answer that should have won, the entrant that should have won this ballot is the Kristaps Porzingis trade. The only reason the Porzingis trade didn't win this bracket is because the sort of Al Jazeera style propaganda oh, thing Jesus that, Christ. that uh, the Dolan era Knicks has working. I mean, you, you, you look on Twitter and so much of Knicks Twitter is, is fake newsing about the Knicks like they're all wearing fucking red hats everywhere they go. Um, it's, it's really kind of a bummer that somehow Porzingis has become the bad guy here when we drafted a unicorn of talent, managed to piss away our relationship with him and then traded him for like it gets worse every day, but even in real time, for like 35 cents on the dollar and our our justifications were like magical dreams of free agents who were never fucking coming here uh, to, to trade away a guy who's a, a future Hall of Fame talent. And now everyone has to do this performative outrage and pretend that they always hated Porzingis when every single fucking Knicks fan was in love with the guy until they gave in and slurped up to Dolan's propaganda bullshit uh, and tried to buy in that Porzingis was really the bad guy all along. He wanted to win and he didn't want to be part of a loser organization. They, paid, they sold him for 35 cents on the dollar. And they didn't even shop for fucking offers. All that reporting of all the teams who didn't even know that he could have been available and would have beat the offer makes me fucking sick to think about. The Porzingis trade should have won. It's the lowest moment I've had as a Knicks fan in my entire life. It's the clear-cut victor. Yeah, I I couldn't disagree more. And I think it was appropriately seated. Here, it was appropriately seated at five or whatever it was, and here's a couple of reasons. One, Man, I'm, can I just say I'm happy you're not the guy standing between me and death row. Continue. <laughs> okay, well, here, here are a couple of reasons. One was, yeah, they did it clearly Counselor. to get Katie and Kyrie, which in the moment makes it less of a Will Smith face moment because there was a plan there. And if you Only get if Katie you're dumb back, enough to think that would happen. Uh, and the other reason is it's not... John Starks going two for 18 in game seven of the finals. If that doesn't happen, the Knicks win a championship. Really? Like, we're, do we even know if Porzingis is going to win a championship as the best player? I mean, that's never going to happen. That's not I mean, what it's about. That's not what it's about, Yash. Right. What well, not it about rooting for a team that wins a championship and the closest the Knicks ever came with that game? No, it. So, no, look, I'm not, I'm not, listen. Picking between the Porzingis trade and and two for eighteen or or any of these other top entrants for the the most Will Smith moment, uh, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the getting into like using using the justification for the trade is like Porzingis was never going to be the best player on the championship team. I mean, come on, you're you're better than that. I no, know no, you. that's not the justification for the trade. The trade was a horrible decision, but I I can't put the trade above two for eighteen. I just I can't do it. Okay, it, whatever. That's fine. Um, I I don't know. For for me, I don't even know what what it would be for me. I actually haven't even thought about this. I um, man, Bernard, you made you made a. I think I think you practiced some trial law in your day. <laughs> um. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not gonna give my opinion. I I I God. There's so yeah, many. The, the two times I've most heard friends, acquaintances, Twitter people say that they were quitting the Knicks forever, two times in my life. Number one is Porzingis. Number two is Jeremy Lin to Houston. The yeah. two times, at least the casual fans, have been the most disgusted and disappointed by what the franchise is. Yeah, but again, why, why do we care about those people? Well, again, you don't care about anybody. Because so Will, just... Will Smith is not shamed in Hollywood. Will Smith is shamed amongst us. The riffraff for his wife cucking him. <laughs> Same shit here. <laughs> oh goodness. Um and I think and I think um on that note, um that was yeah, that's a good way to, to bring us home. Um yeah, I God. I usually this is 
what? The last thing I wanted to end on, please, um, as an ode to our last dance podcast, which I deeply enjoy, is uh, apparently Uh-oh. Jerry Reinsdorf is having financial trouble, and uh, it just couldn't happen to a more perfect individual with all these billionaires making all this money off of this pandemic to have him be in financial trouble um, just warms my heart so much that that's going to replace the, where can, where can the listeners find you at home? Yash Um, Bernard, um, you actually have things to promote that listeners may want to read. Do you want to do that? Sure. I I will. I'll do the promotion thing. So uh, follow loudandclearreviews.com. Follow me on Twitter. Follow at loudandclearnet on Twitter as well, where I do uh, a lot of film writing. Um, Yeah, that's what I got. Um, That was good. Okay. Um, It's been been a long day. I I think I could add it up now. I think I have done. I think I've done. If you include the Knicks fan TV spot that I did, I think I've done four and a half hours of like podcasting or whatever the fuck that is. I, I, man, I don't know what's going on anymore, folks. I really don't. It's, it's, it's going, we're going off the deep end here. Yeah. Donate to the bail project. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. Um, no, seriously, donate to the Bell Project. That's, uh, that's, that actually is a good cause. Um, that is the only thing I'm interested in promoting. Um, on, on the heels of my sorry, uh, little pathetic, um, I've had a long day, yes, because I'm going to end up in jail because this has been just the type of day that's going to get me to do something. To, maybe I'll go streaking. What do you think about that? Should I go streaking right now in Massapequa Park, Long Island? I think that's a great idea. Yeah. Okay. Seconded. <laughs> of course. You can get me out of jail, Yash. Um, okay. This has been another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back with another one. Um, I'm sure at some point soon. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon.